Hi, I'm Leah Lane, an award-winning travel writer and author of Places I Remember, Tales, Truths, Delights from 100 Countries. On this podcast, we share conversations with travelers about fascinating destinations and memorable experiences around the world. In episode eight, I spoke of spring festivals around the world, and in episode 19, summer festivals. On this episode, we're talking about some of the special pleasures of fall, my favorite time of year. Bittersweet, fruitful, thankful. Around much of the world, there are warm days, crisp nights, and the colors and smells of autumn. Let's first talk about the changing color of leaves, and not just in the northeastern United States. From September through November, you can follow the leaves. I'd love to take a leaf-peeping trip for three months, keeping the beauty going, following the changing leaves from north to south and from higher to lower elevations. And here are a few lesser-known destinations I might choose. Ozark National Forest in Arkansas has more than 1.2 million acres. During October, fall foliage is at its peak, and there are plenty of mountains, springs, rivers, and breathtaking parks to photograph. The Catskill Mountains, a couple hours north of New York City, are a less crowded alternative to New England. Hike or take a scenic drive before checking out local cideries and breweries. Columbia River Gorge between Washington and Oregon has over 50 waterfalls. During October and November, Mount Hood is awash in fall colors. The Pocono Mountains in Pennsylvania are backdrops to gently winding roads, perfect for fall foliage gazing, especially Route 507. Leaves begin to turn in mid-September and peak in October. The southwestern landscape is spectacular in fall along the Enchanted Circle in New Mexico. This 83-mile drive connects the towns of Taos, Eagle's Nest, Red River, and Cuesta. Emicalola Falls State Park is home to Georgia's tallest waterfall. At 729 feet, you can view it from many trails along the park. And at the bottom of the falls, you have a great view of maples and oak trees. Surrounding Chesapeake Bay and the Delmarva Peninsula is Maryland's eastern shore. Be sure to walk around Elk Neck State Park to see the gorgeous colors. And chow down on some Maryland blue crabs while you're at it. You just take a mallet and bang away. In early November, fall colors come to Tennessee. Drive down the Natchez Trace Parkway to see poplars, maples, oaks, and hickory trees. Cape May, New Jersey, a vintage seaside resort town, turns into an autumn haven mid-October through November. The historic lighthouses give overviews of the changing fall colors, as well as the Atlantic Ocean, Delaware Bay, and Cape May Point State Park. Aspen, Colorado is named for its gorgeous aspen trees that turn yellow gold in the fall. Stop at Maroon Bells to take in the scenery. Along the Wisconsin River is a glacier-formed gorge known as the Wisconsin Dells. During the fall, the Dells are particularly peaceful. Boat tours, river walks, and sightseeing in Devil's Lake State Park are delightful ways to enjoy the colors. Outside the United States, Korea, Taiwan, China, and Japan are all known for beautiful color, especially in the highlands. And in Europe, charming villages and historic cities such as Paris and Prague are gorgeous in the autumn season. You can drive around on your own to view leaves, but always check to be sure that fall festivals will be on. Around the globe, winemakers and wine experts celebrate new vintages and older favorites with festivals, tastings, vintage-specific food pairings, and educational wine-themed seminars. The Lone Star State is known for barbecue, but fine wine? Well, Texas is America's fifth-largest wine-producing state. It even hosts Grape Fest, the Southwest's largest wine festival, held annually in September. 
Some 250,000 people sample Texas vintages, and the festival includes a grape stomping contest. If beer is your drink of choice, and even if it isn't, Oktoberfest in Munich, Germany, is the world's largest celebration of beer and fun. The Folk Festival is held annually in Bavaria for 16 to 18 days from mid or late September to the first Sunday in October, and more than 6 million people from around the world attend. The festival originated on October 12, 1810, celebrating the marriage of the Crown Prince of Bavaria, who later became King Louis I, to Princess Teresa von Sachsen-Hilberghausen. Let's turn to Halloween. It's not just trick-or-treating anymore. Salem, Massachusetts, the witch city, is known for the tragic events that unfolded during the Salem witch trials when 19 innocent victims lost their lives in 1692. The women were not witches and were accused due to Puritan beliefs of the time. Visit in October if you want a glimpse of the city's darker past, along with present-day bewitching fun. The month-long spree includes seances, ghouls, ghost stories, pirates, vampires, and the macabre, and of course, witches. I was there one Halloween, and witches in black, many with pointed hats, kept walking around, shopping, and looking as casual as soccer moms. The Grand Parade in Salem kicks off the festival each year, and many families bring their kids for Halloween night. But Halloween parades around the world now seem to be more for adults than kids. The one in New York's Greenwich Village in Manhattan is the greatest Halloween show in the world, with over 50,000 participants every year. Small towns of Halloween fun, too. You can get spooked in Bowling Green, Kentucky, the hometown of John Carpenter, the mind behind the cult classic horror film Halloween. The town celebrates the master of horror through an entertaining driving tour of 17 locations, places where Carpenter filmed. It's a boobash. Since 1920, the Anoka, Minnesota Halloween Festival was created to bring local communities together for more treats than tricks. The first celebration included a costume parade and sweets for the local children. Years later, in 1937, over 20,000 people attended the festival, and Anoka became recognized as the Halloween capital of the world. Today, the festival remains a grand, small-town tradition. Many fall festivals around the world are focused on harvest time. Mascara, translated as many faces, is similar to Brazil's Rio Carnival and is celebrated every October in Bacalod in the Philippines. The festival started in the 1980s when the province's main livelihood, sugar, was priced at an all-time low. The smiling masks were a declaration of the people of Bacalod City that they will survive challenges. And Bacalod is now nicknamed the City of Smiles. Sukkot, the Feast of Booths follows shortly after the High Holy Days of the Jewish New Year celebration, and the eight-day festival gives thanks to God for the harvest. Special booths are constructed to recall the period of the Exodus recounted in the Hebrew Scriptures when the Israelites lived in huts in the desert before entering the Promised Land. Israel is filled with Sukkot celebrations, and you can find them in Jewish temples around the world. One of the most important traditional mid-autumn festivals in Asia, including China, Taiwan, and Vietnam, is a celebration of the harvest, also known as the Moon Festival, because it coincides with the full moon on the 15th day of the eighth lunar month. It's a time of family gatherings, matchmaking, and public celebrations. Special pastries called moon cakes are prepared. Ceremonies give thanks for the harvest and to encourage the harvest-giving light to return again in the coming year. Lanterns and lights of all sizes and shapes are carried and displayed, symbolic beacons that light people's path to prosperity and good fortune. And celebrants pray for babies, a spouse, beauty, 
longevity, or for a good future in general. I attended a shimmering light-filled ceremony called Loi Kathram in Thailand on a November evening when the moon was full. Floating banana leaves placed with candles and messages attached make their way down the waterways of the country, celebrating a new beginning of sorts after the rainy season. This was probably the most visually beautiful festival I have ever seen. The most famous autumn festival is no doubt Thanksgiving, observed in Canada on the second Monday in October and in the United States on the fourth Thursday in November. This is a national day of rest and big family meals. Plymouth Plantation is a living history museum in Plymouth, Massachusetts, founded in 1947. It attempts to replicate the original settlement of the Plymouth colony established in the 17th century by the English colonists who became known as the Pilgrims. Thanksgiving there is where the first feast with settlers and native peoples took place. It would be meaningful to celebrate there at least once. And then there are fall celebrations that have nothing to do with the harvest. At the Autumn Dance Festival at the Jambe Lakan Temple in the Himalayan Kingdom of Bhutan, drums pound, dancers swirl in one of the most spectacular of the many monastery and temple festivals held throughout Bhutan. Performers enact everything from body folktales to allegories of Buddhist doctrine. For example, women dressed as princesses cavort with buffoons until their royal fiancés return from a journey and order the princesses' noses cut off. Then they are forgiven and their noses magically restored. And a huge wooden stick representing male genitalia is shaken over women's heads, boosting female fertility. A different kind of harvest celebration, I guess. Japan has some of the most eccentric fall festivals of all. The locals in Hidakagawa have held an annual laughing festival in October for 200 years to cheer up a sad deity and to bring them good luck. According to a legend, a goddess was laughed at by other gods because she overslept and was late for a meeting. She was so sad that she locked herself in a shrine. The people in the village gathered around the shrine and their laughter turned her grief into joy and she finally agreed to go out. A parade led by a bell jingler marks the beginning of the day-long celebration. Wearing a clown-like costume, holding a bell in his right hand and a treasure box in the left, he leads participants to the shrine, all of whom are shouting, Ware, Ware, laugh, laugh. And when they arrive at the shrine, they all laugh in unison. Japan is an aged society, and they have a fall festival called Shukatsu, meaning preparing for one's death. I call it Try Before You Die. During the Tokyo Festival, participants can sample their own funeral and prepare to say their last goodbyes. They can put on funeral garments, lay down in the coffin, learn what to do with their belongings, and learn how to write goodbye notes and obituaries. This one may be practical, but I think I'd rather go to the Laughing Festival. The Monkey Buffet Festival honors the long-tailed macaque population in Lapuri, Thailand. Celebrated the last Sunday of November, thousands of macaques gather at a temple to feast on tons of fruits, vegetables, desserts, and beverages prepared by the locals. This event was described as one of the strangest festivals in the world by London's Guardian newspaper, along with Spain's Baby Jumping Festival, which we talked about in episode 19. The name of the podcast is Places I Remember, and there's one fall festival that is unforgettable to me. In fact, I wrote about it on my Forbes.com blog. And like the festival I just mentioned in Japan, it involves death, but it also celebrates life and remembrance. Dia de los Muertos, the Day of the Dead, is a haunting tradition held throughout much of Central and South America. I remember my trip a few years ago to Riviera Maya in the Mexican state of Quintana Roo in the Yucatan Peninsula of Mexico. Those three days and nights from October 31st through November 2nd were unforgettable. 
The Day of the Dead celebration begins with food, including regional cuisine such as tamales and mole sauce, pumpkin and fruit sweets, and the famed pan de muerto, bread of the dead. Mexican markets sell toys and candy transformed into deathly symbols such as skeletons, coffins, and la muerta, death herself. And then there's the fun. Shopkeepers and families paint their faces for several days, posing and preening. Calaveras, cheeky poems criticizing politicians or chiding friends and family are written as if the person had already passed, a clever mockery of death reminding us of our own mortality. On October 31st, All Hallows' Eve, children create altars to entice the angelitos, the spirits of dead children, to return and go door to door asking for sugar skulls. It's like Halloween but with an emphasis on family and departed loved ones rather than costumes. November 1st, All Saints Day, poignantly focuses on deceased children who are believed on this day to return to life. Graves are cleaned and decorated with candles, paper streamers, and seasonal flowers such as marigolds. And on November 2nd, All Souls Day, the true day of the dead, families and loved ones gather at cemeteries to be there when adult spirits return. Celebrations include music, food, and prayers. Home altars are adorned with lighted incense, candles, flowers, and candy skulls inscribed with the names of the deceased. Altars typically include Mexican folk art of colorful cut paper and personal objects and favorite foods of the departed. Lighted candles illuminate the way for the dead souls. And then there are the haunting legends. At nightfall, my face painted in stark black and white, I joined a few others in a small boat. We floated on a cenote, a cave, where the symbol of death prowled around in another boat, candles lighting the water with the heat of faith and life, far more evocative and beautiful than any Halloween haunted house. Katrina is Mexico's favorite, most adapted representation of death, the star of many Day of the Dead celebrations. The sound of lapping water in the darkness was truly eerie as the Katrina in our boat told her mournful tale of her lost children. Ancient stories are part of the Day of the Dead's power, and our Katrina told us about beautiful Extabe, who frightens men with her revenge, and Lala Rona, who in grief and anger drowned her sons in a river and has wandered forever to find their bodies. The celebration's ending varies depending on the region. At our Mayan ritual of darkness and fire, the shaman, surrounded by flames, gave thanks for the sacred elements of water, sun, wind, earth, and life. Villages danced to drumbeats, and the community prayed for harmony, promising to continue feeding the fire of life despite the looming specter of death. At least once in your life, try to share this experience, to bond and have fun, and to remember those who have come before. I can't think of a more ideal intergenerational trip. I hope that you enjoy the selection of fall festivals and pleasures and Thanksgiving. I'm thankful for you for becoming an ever-growing audience in the six months I've been doing this podcast. Tell your friends about us, write a review, contact me at the links on my show notes with suggestions or comments. And at my website, places I remember leahlane.com, I'll write you back. I'm here for you every week, covering the world with super guests, sharing travel information and travel memories. I know that you're out there in over 80 countries as I talk to you today, listening in, and I hope being inspired to make travel memories of your own. Enjoy fall travel and all travel. Thanks for listening to our award-winning podcast. We've recorded over 100 episodes of Places I Remember, so follow us on any podcast app. And new monthly episodes are also on YouTube with gorgeous video. My book, Places I Remember, is available in print and Kindle, and I read the audio version. 
follow my travel writing at Forbes.com. Contact me at the links in the show notes or on my website, places I remember, and keep making your own travel memories.